0: All right, welcome to the Los Lynx Talk Show 2021 Link season happening right now. And uh, we've had a number of games. We've almost had... Uh Almost had our first entire month of the WNBA season is uh, behind us, if you can believe that. Uh, the team is about uh, about a quarter of the way through their uh, through their schedule as far as games go. Um, so uh, you know, as we do here on the Los Links Talk Show, check in every uh, you know periodically throughout the summer to uh, see how the links are doing and to bring in another media member and you know chat it up. We're paying it close attention and we like to uh, introduce you to some new people who are. We're also covering the links. We got we got to spread the love. You know, it's a growing it's a growing community here. So, um, very very happy um, today on the show to have a special guest from uh, from from my home uh, Canis Hoopus, and it is uh, his home as well. We both are covering the links for Canis Hoopus, and uh, it's going to be a good summer. And uh, happy to bring on to the show right now, Jack Borman. Jack, welcome to the Low Links Talk Show.
1: Thank you, man. It's it's, it's good to be here.
0: Yeah, we're chilling we uh, we had uh, you know we had Leo on uh, kind of for the season preview type podcast uh, a few weeks ago and we're keeping the Canis hoopas party going right now um, you know that's not necessarily by design we'll, we'll get some other folks who don't work uh, for Canis hoopas or don't write for Canis hoopas uh, eventually but right now this is the way it goes because'm I'm, I'm happy because it's exciting to have other people other voices on Canis hoopas doing recaps doing posts tweeting about it and stuff like that. Um, you know, in, in past years, it was, it was um, a little bit just me. So I'm so stoked that there's more people. So Jack, you're here, you're doing it, and uh, we appreciate that. But uh, before we talk about uh, the basketball, before we talk about the first seven games of the Lynx season, um, let's let's learn a little bit about you. You know, we want we want you know everyone's gonna be following you on Twitter. It's at uh, Jr. Borman thirteen, and uh, so I want to give a little background to you know sort of your background in basketball and kind of how you got into writing about basketball, covering the game, and uh, sort of uh, how you got into uh, the WNBA. So, uh, what's the situation? What, what What's your what's your basketball background here or your writing background, Jack?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, I've, I've always been a rather opinionated, rather opinionated dude um, and just always loved, um, you know, talking to my friends about, about basketball. Um, it's a sport that, that I played um, a ton growing up. It, w- it was probably, you know, my favorite sport to follow for sure. Um, I think baseball was kind of my, my first love and kind of what I loved playing the most. But, um, you know, I, I went to De La Salle High School, which was um, arguably the, the best. Um, basketball school in the state of Minnesota. The powerhouse. Um, won- yeah. So we um we won I think it was all four years um on the on the guys side and then I think we won three out of the four years on the girls side. And um we had eight division one players Sheesh. on our team my, my freshman and sophomore year. So I was not good enough to to play varsity. So I was a manager for for our boys' team at De La Salle uh um, cool. and and. It was coached by Dave Thorson, who's now an assistant coach um, for the Gophers. Um, so he he's made his way back to back to the Twin Cities and just learned a ton from him about about the tactics of basketball and just kind of got to see basketball in a different way, being around such high level players and got to meet a, a bunch of cool college coaches that came and recruited and and I think that kind of spawned more of an interest in looking at the game tactically and analytically from, from the different duties that I had as a manager. Um, and then, you know, I think it was after my sophomore year of college, um, or freshman year of college, I don't remember where, um, you know, I just kind of started writing out thoughts, not necessarily in, in like an article format, but just kind of like stream of consciousness, um, you know, in a, in a notes app on my computer um, and and just really enjoyed the exercise of it and kind of looking at basketball through, it, through a different lens. Um, and so I, I wrote for a different site for a year and, and have now wrote for or written for Canis Hoopis um, for, for the last year or so um which has been a ton of fun and, and obviously last year then with the, with the pandemic um you know there there was no sports going on and then i think the wnba was the first team um they're the first league to come back and and so um with the Timberwolves obviously not being around, I really wanted to, to get into the WNBA more. You know, I was kind of a casual fan in the sense that, you know, when the Lynx had big games, I, I would watch those games just because I love watching basketball um, during the summer times and, and went to, you know, every time the Lynx were in the finals, um, in the Western Conference finals and um, and then in the WNBA finals, um, you know, I'd try and go to some of those games with with friends. Um which was a ton of fun. I remember being at the barn for for playoff games. and Just how loud that that arena got was awesome. Yes,
0: 2017.
1: Yeah, that was that was incredible. Um, and so last year really started to follow the team more closely. Um, you know, I didn't really tweet about it or comment on them all that much, just because you know I tend to try and steer towards things that, that I feel more informed about. But um, yeah, so really had a good, good opportunity to watch almost every single Lynx game last season um, in the bubble. And then, you know, just took in more of the league as a whole to kind of familiar, familiarize myself with it more and, um, and, and watched a lot of, a lot of college basketball um, in the, uh, in the, in the tournament um, this year, which was, which was also a lot of fun. And then, you know, this year, you know, really, really wanted to help out and, and write more about it, just because, um, you know, I think for how good of a, a program the Lynx have, and just how how strong of a, a dynasty really they've been, um, you know, over the last ten years or so, the, the proportion of of how good they are in the court to how much they're covered is um, is rather unfortunate. And so, you know, I, I just want to try and you know spread the word more about the Lynx and, and promote you know kind of what they have going on cuz i've i've gained a, a somewhat sizable wolves following i guess over the last year or so and and want to try and um you know give the give the same love and and uh, you know quality uh writing to to the lynx this year so um so it's been it's been a lot of fun to to watch the games more closely and um you know and just and i'm genuinely excited and and feel really good about where the team's at now and and kinda of how the team can can develop the rest of the season and, and into the years beyond. Yeah, totally. That that makes a lot of sense. I feel like that's a pretty common story as far as getting into the
0: WNBA and learning more about it, and that's why I think it, we're so fortunate here in the Twin Cities to have a team that's been good for a long time. Because you know, uh, you know, that's that's sort of just how it happens. Is like, oh, it's like they're kind of on the periphery, but then it's like, wait a minute, this team is is uh, like the number one seed in the playoffs, uh, or they're like, oh, they've they've won all these games in a row, or they have the MVP in Maya Moore or whatever it is, and and then you go to the playoff games. I like guess that's such a common thing. I think maybe maybe you know, just like, okay, I'm gonna stay home, maybe watch the games from home during the regular season, but yo, they're they're in the finals. Oh, we gotta get tickets let's go so having a quality winning team I think goes a long way I mean I feel like that's that's common against in all sports but especially for women's sports where you know most people kind of don't look that way initially or whatever they find other things to do um, or they, they're in a routine maybe like a sports consumption routine and summers are for other things maybe like baseball maybe just take some time off or whatever but when your team's in the finals the te- your local team's in the finals it's like let's go I don't care what it is so you know Absolutely. I think that's pretty common and then especially you know just even if you have any basketball knowledge you're like oh my gosh you get hooked because you're like, wait a minute, this isn't the NBA, but it's still incredible. It's still very high level players and just like amazing professional basketball right in your backyard.
1: Yeah. And I think something that I've noticed in the WNBA is actually kind of similar to, you know, so I've watched a decent amount of European basketball just preparing for the NBA draft Euro League and stuff like that. Yeah. And I think they're both very similar in the sense that um, it's a much more tactical game and it's much more physical. Whereas, you know, I think the NBA, you know, obviously there's a lot of insanely talented guys as individuals that can, you know, play more of an individual game. Whereas with the WNBA, what I love about it and why it's so unique is it's so, so team based and yes, there's incredible individual players that can just kind of grab a game by the throat and take it over in a, in a matter of moments. But, um, you know, I, I, think there's just, there's so much ball movement and, and team defense that's, that's being played, um, you know, relative to, to other forms of basketball. And, you know, it's really, it's really an art and, you know, basketball is, is an art and, and the way that, um, you know, the players and coaches in the WNBA kind of compose their version of the art is, is a joy to watch. And, uh, especially with the Lynx, cause, um, you know, Cheryl Reeve obviously is up there for, for the goat conversation and, and, you know, Basketball coaches at the professional level, in any any way you want to, you want to slice that cake. Whether it's you know WNBA or American professional coaches, you name it, she's up there. And um, and so being able to learn from her, um, just in in watching the game and, and kind of breaking down the way they play, but also um, you know in, in the post game press conferences, um, she she often you know gives reporters the time of day to to listen intently to to questions and and give really thoughtful answers and so just hearing kind of getting inside the mind of um of such a decorated champion and, and such an amazing you know coach and human being like she is is, is just really a privilege and um and definitely something that I don't take for granted. It has been something that that's been really cool and a lot of fun to to be a part of now for you know, for the first seven games of the season and and definitely something that that I'm really excited about um, being a part of now for, for the rest of the season and beyond. Yeah, that's incredible.
0: That, that, that all tracks for me. And yeah, because once you start watching and once you start, you know, seeing what's happening here and how great it is, you know, just league wide or if you're just in Minnesota watching the links and following the team and like you're saying, paying attention to, you know, the Cheryl Reeve side of things and, and, uh, yeah, how incredible she is and how inspiring she is and stuff. You, you look at all this and then like you said, you kind of look around and be like, wait a minute, like, it's, it's, it's totally unfair how little uh, coverage this is getting relative to the other stuff we have, just even here in, in the Twin Cities market. And so then that really kind of, to me, that just like fires you up to be like, okay, this is something I'm going to pay attention to and really work at to, you know, even provide a little bit more coverage than it was before because you, you can't help but notice, uh, again, like you said so well, like relative to how quality it is, uh, you know, how, how little coverage there is around it. And so that's that's what we're doing at Canis Hoopus. And we're building the team up and we want it to be you know it was always it was always you know set up that way to be you know equal parts and obviously the 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 Timberwolves are, are you know they have more fans and they've been around longer and their season goes on longer so you know I don't think it'll ever be really 50/50 totally but we want to try and, and, and strive for that um, especially with just how incredible the links are with winning and stuff like that too so um, I'm glad you're I'm glad you're uh, dedicated to it and you've seen the you know seen how amazing this league can be and definitely just like trying to shine, shine Kind of light, as Cheryl would say, on uh, on the women's game. So uh, thanks, for, thanks for joining in. I'm glad. It's just great to hear that background and hear kind of uh, how much you appreciate uh, the W, because I feel like this is where things are going. We just got to help make it go there faster.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's and it's really great to hear... Um, you know, over the course of the first month of the season, um, you know, different PR people from ESPN um, and different local regional networks that that carry the games um, have been talking nonstop about how this year's season has shattered just about every single record for, yeah. um, for viewership, which is great. And I think that there's a very positive correlation between, you know, how much... Uh, these games are put more of in national time slots, and how and how much the game is growing. Um, I think it's something that it's shown to be a positive investment from a TV perspective, uh, where where you know the game more games are being on are being put on ESPN rather than ESPN two, mm-hmm. um, and stuff like that makes a huge difference. And it and it's always fun when. You know, you get to see superstars of the league go at it, even if the links aren't playing. And um, you know, and I think more and more, you know, you have people that that are committed and in buying into buying into the league as a whole. And and with league pass, I think they they did a good job of marketing that. I mean, it's only seventeen dollars, so crazy. Um, you know, I, I think that if you're if you're a basketball fan in any capacity, um, I mean, that's the cost of you know pigging <laughs> out it culvers or subway <laughs> or whatever. Um, so, yes. and, and it just can, it can give you nights and nights of entertainment. So, um, I can't endorse that enough. Um, and it's been huge for me just with getting more acclimated with the rest of the league and, and kind of studying up on, on some of the teams that, that, that the links have played so far this season. Yeah, I call it the the best value in sports right there, you know? Cause it's,
0: <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah, basketball fans for sure. But even if you're just like, oh, I like all sorts of sports, what should I do? It's like, yeah, do this. And it's just like good to throw your money in that ring, right? Like even if you're only going to watch like one game a month or something, like you said, it's, it's like a meal out or whatever. And you get to sort of vote with your dollar that like the WNBA is important, you know, and that you're going to like help them out. And you want to at least, you know, again, throw them 15 bucks, 16 bucks, like, that's huge, you know, to get those numbers up and to get their revenue up and stuff like that. So every little bit helps. So, yes, that's always a good way to get people in, too, because then they can kind of jump around and watch all the teams and figure it out and see who the players are they like, and uh, they can do it that way. So, yeah, WNBA League Pass, what a deal. It's been at that price, too, for, like, so many years. I'm kind of, like, shocked that that hasn't, like, gone up to, like,
1: 40 bucks or something like that. I, <laughs> like, I imagine, I that next, year, like, yeah. I imagine <laughs> next year we'll be shelling out a little bit more than $17 <laughs> when we renew our subscriptions. Right. And, yeah,
0: I don't know. I'd love to, I'd love to see the numbers behind that because on one hand it's great to have it be such a low number for you know people you know who just are just trying to dabble a little bit and just trying to explore they want to get curious people in the door but at the same time I would imagine that it's a lot of like the core fans who would happily shell out like normal the normal NBA league pass price for something like this you know so they're kind of it's interesting that they haven't kind of like ratcheted it upwards towards the middle of that uh, type of thing but uh, again we don't we don't have all the data so I'm sure they know (laughs) what they're doing to some degree over there but uh, yes go get WNBA if you listen to this podcast, you definitely already have WNBA League Pass. We're, we're, we're preaching to the choir a little bit here. Uh, but all right, let's let's uh, let's dig into uh, what has happened on the court um, and uh, to the team here this season so far. As we record this here on Monday, the 7th of June, uh, the Lynx are 3-4. Uh, and four. They have played seven games. They started 0-4. But then now they're on that three-game win streak. They uh, beat Connecticut and then beat Atlanta twice. Um, so those are the three wins. Um, just some early news kind of hits here. Uh, uh, Nafisa Collier returned from France, and uh, she uh, she got in there for Game 4. So she's had uh, a couple games now. At least she's had four games in her belt um, and uh, kind of kind of looking a lot better. Um, unfortunately, Ariel Powers has an injury early on here. She's uh, got the hamstring injury. Um, she looked pretty good to start the the season, um, you know, defensively and stuff like that, and uh, I don't know, it kind of seems like it's not too serious of a thing from the tone of Cheryl's uh, voice when she's asked about this in, in past interview situations, but hamstrings, calves, those are uh, those are tricky, those will come back to bite you throughout the year, so uh, the, 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 I don't know, we'll see, maybe they'll, maybe they'll slow that one, because you don't want this to be a nagging thing that happens all year, you want Ariel as one of your starters, uh, to be able to play lots of games, lots of minutes, and then uh, um, be, probably Mostly due to that injury, the, Wol- the excuse me, the wolves, the Lynx uh, picked up uh, Laisha Um She was a uh, she had been waived by the uh, by the Liberty, and uh, the Lynx needed some uh, some guard help, so they grabbed Lasia, uh Passed All Star, uh, someone that uh, really really has uh, really stepped up and solidified their backcourt rotation, uh, which is kind of a weak spot for them in those first seven games. So those are kind of I think some of the big things I think about just in general as far as newsy type things that happened during the first seven games. But I don't know. Let's chat about uh, that stretch of games then the three and four record, just in general, kind of in a big way. I don't know. Did I miss anything as far as other big news things or what has uh, uh, what has stood out to you as far as uh, kind of what you think about um, in this first you know, month of uh, the link season?
1: Yeah, no, I think you nailed everything uh, in terms of kind of the, the major headlines. Um you know, I, I really think that when you look at these first seven games, I think it just naturally makes sense to kind of split it in, into the, you know, the the first four games of the season, um, which they lost all four of them, and then these last three, which they've all won, um, just because I think the the style in which they've played has been so vastly different, um, and a lot of that has to do with the personnel um, that they've had available, uh, because obviously. You know, not having a player like Nafisa Collier for the first three games, or Kayla McBride—I think was it the first game—or yeah, she was she was
0: she was last minute available for that first game. But you know, that's that's tough to (laughs) no practices
1: come in there cold. (laughs) Yeah, so so not exactly getting the optimized Kayla McBride
0: exactly, and then
1: and then obviously now not having not having uh, Ariel for the last few games, it just kind of naturally makes sense for me. That's kind of the way that I've looked at it. Is I've split it into. Into into the first four and then the last three. Yeah. Um, and and obviously it, it's much more exciting to take a look at the last three just because, um, you know I think that's more of what we're going to get from this team moving forward. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do not necessarily with Nafisa Collier coming back uh, or Kayla McBride, uh, really starting to step up, but I think a lot of it really has to do with Laisha Clarendon, uh, because when you when you look at Clarendon, she's a they're, they're a big physical, um, guard that, that, that's going to get into your face on defense. That's going to get into the paint on offense and always make the right read, uh, in terms of kicking out to shooters like McBride or Collier or Rachel Bannum, if, if they're on the floor together. Um, and, and that's really been a huge, uh, huge bolt for, for the Lynx lineup as a whole, especially offensively. Um, I think that in the first three games, of, or excuse me, the first four games of the season, um, you know, the Lynx really had a limited number of ball handlers available to them on the floor. Um, and they really had to stagger them to make the offense kind of flow. And, and really, the main three ball handlers that you had were, were obviously Crystal Dangerfield, the, the 2020 Rookie of the Year, uh, and then Ariel Powers, uh, who's more of kind of a, a point forward, if you will, um, and then Rachel Bannum. Our hometown girl, um, and um, and and when you really only have three people that that you're able to really have run the offense, um, you know it's it's just the it limits the the number of lineup combinations that you can use, and you can compare that now to you know having players like Clarendon, McBride, uh, Collier, and then in and and now adding also in. The danger Field and and Rachel Bannum and and now with with Powers, um, you know, hopefully coming back in the, in the next couple weeks here, uh, you just have so many different players that can handle the ball and run the offense, which is huge. Um, and and then the other biggest difference that I've noticed is is obviously the shooting has been much different in the first four games compared to the last three, where. Um, you know, the spacing on offense was just really poor in the, in the first four games. So the the links were last in three-point percentage at, at just under 24%. Um, and then since then, in the last three games, they're first in the W in, in three-point percentage at just under 41%. And so when you have those shooters that can really space the floor, uh, I think it really opens up, the, the cutting game. Um, and you've seen players like Bridget Carleton, um, who I think personally might be my favorite player on the links that I've seen. Um, and then also Kayla McBride and, and Afisa Collier who, who have all been excellent at, at cutting to the basket. Um, whether it be on, on back cuts or, or UCLA cuts, um, you know, the, the, the links have a lot of capable passers that, that have good touch at throwing passes over the top. Um, and just that, that spacing element has really opened things up um, and kind of given you a glimpse into, you know, what this Lynx team can look like with with shooters and, and ball handlers, you know, pretty much surrounded or surrounding Sylvia Fowles, um, which just creates for a really potent offense that, that I think a lot of teams are going to struggle to defend on a nightly basis.
0: Yeah. That, that, uh, that, that, that that backcourt situation, I guess is, is, is definitely the sort of the most interesting kind of from a roster, you know, game perspective right now is, you know, especially coming into the year, it's like, oh, we got we got Dangerfield. She's the she's last year's rookie of the year. She's going to slide into you know the next step here in, in year two, and she's going to start every game and stuff like this. And and right, I, I think it, I don't know if it was game one or game two. It was like Dangerfield was not in the starting lineup, right? It was Powers and and uh, and McBride, I think, in the backcourt there. And so yep. that 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 kind of threw in some interesting uh, little wrinkle there, right? Something different that fans maybe didn't expect.
1: Yeah, and I think too, it's it's important to note that, that Dangerfield played the entirety of her rookie season in the bubble mm-hmm. uh, last year. And I think that obviously there's adjustments to playing back again in WNBA arenas with fans, uh, traveling. Uh, so it, it's really, she's and she's mentioned this in, in post-game Zooms and in the, the shoot-around Zooms, is that, you know it really kind of feels like a rookie year all over for her again. You know, thankfully she's kind of got the terminology and the concepts down, uh, on the floor, which is a huge help. But, you know, she also has to deal with a ton of new faces that have come in this year as well. And, you know, playing as a, as a professional athlete, you know, I think that kind of becomes more of a natural, uh, adjustment that you make as you, as you gain experience in the league. Um, but, but it's definitely a tougher thing when, uh, you know you go from college where you might have one or two new players in the rotation especially when you're at a powerhouse like UConn um compared to now in the WNBA you think about you know that the, the big impact players that they have um with powers and McBride coming in um you know that 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 really changes things too yeah you gotta really uh <laughs> suddenly the
0: the you know the the bar for your know, playing time is a lot higher I think you know especially last year like you're saying, like. Wasn't a lot of other options, and you know, she was playing so well and just kind of all clicked. But you know, they had Shanice Johnson on the team last year, they had Odyssey Sims who showed up late due to pregnancy and stuff like that, so. Dangerfield was really in there as, as you know by default and yeah. she really she really did excel at that but yeah to your point it's not really a totally real WNBA season you know only 22 games you know they're all living on campus there so you know I'm not trying to take anything away from the year that Dangerfield had but I think what we're trying to say here is that it's not and this goes for any you know rookie in basically any sport I, I think is that you can't just assume linear progression to the next year I feel like I've brought that up a lot on the show before and you know. I Think we're seeing that right now from Dangerfield. She just hasn't kind of looked, uh, you know, quite the same um, necessarily, consistent, consistently. And then that's what it is all about for her. And that's hey, if you want to start in the WNBA, if you want to play in the WNBA, um, since there's so few spots, you got to have that consistency. And you know, we've seen her turn it on for some of those fourth quarters and some crazy stretches where she's really scoring the ball well. And um, so you know, the flashes have been there and stuff. So uh, you know, I think it might be a little bit of an up and down year for her as, as we continue on and like said that she kind of goes through her first real year where she's yeah getting on planes and having you know sleeping in weird beds and you know kind of doing all the the other stuff that goes around with being a professional athlete um, especially in a more elongated season with the Olympic break and stuff like that it's not going to be the sprint that the Bradenton bubble was so yeah and then you know the, this danger field and then this whole the way this all broke with you know powers getting injured and Bantam kind of not really playing that well. And also obviously kind of just being better as a shooting guard. It's like, all right, we got to get another point guard in here. And, uh, pretty incredible that former all-star Lasia Clarendon was, uh, sitting right there waiting to be signed by another team. Um, and Reeve plucked her out of, out of, uh, you know, out of the waivers or whatever it's called. And, uh, Plugged her in and geez, she has been fantastic in her in her three three games that she's played so far. And uh, you know, she's she's super tough, like you said, and bring really brings it defensively and and uh can really set up a whole offense. Uh, you know, just just really set the table there, kind of a traditional point guard. And it's just been great. You just wouldn't and now she's starting, you know, and it's just like it's they gotta find a way to keep her on this team too. That's a whole other conversation. This is you know, there's kind of a roster crunch now. So uh that's a good problem to have, I guess, uh, when you pick someone up like this. But yeah, Lasia is really really kind of it's really kind of weird how that happens right you, you just you make a you know you have all this roster you have the training camp roster you're trying to plan how this year is going to go especially from the outside we're trying to predict you know where the t- how team how good the team's going to be and stuff and then this player who's not even on the roster ends up like sort of changing things and turning things around it's like you just you could have never seen that coming but hey that's uh that's sports for you that's uh that's how these seasons go sometimes
1: yeah a thousand percent and I think too the other thing that I that I wanted to add in about Crystal is that um is that, you know, last year, Syl missed a, a lot of games with that. What was it, that calf injury? Yeah, calf. She only it, played six games, like, I think. Or like Achilles or something? Yeah. A calf. so yeah. I, think, uh, I think Crystal had a lot more rope last year. Totally. Um, and, and this year, you know, Cheryl is notorious for, you know, having a tight leash in the sense that, you know, if any of her players aren't playing the way that she likes them to, you um, she'll take them out of the game and she'll make sure that whether it's her or Plonette Pearson or Katie Smith or, um, or Rebecca Brunson um, just really coaches them up. And, and I think that's great because the best way that you can learn as a player is learning through your mistakes and playing through them. And, you know, coming out, being able to visualize, okay, what went wrong? Now see on the court, you know, what are my teammates doing that, you know, is going right so that when I go in the next time, you know, I can really – you know, I can really improve on what I was doing wrong. And I think that, you know, when you also have another veteran guard, like you said, a former all-star in Laisha Clarendon that can, um, you know, that can really show her the ropes and and show her how to win uh, it is really huge. And I think, you know, I, I asked Leisha Clarendon um, after the dream game about, you know, how much fun it just asking her how much fun it was to see Crystal really, um, you know, play super well at the end of that game. And, you know, and they said in response that, you know, especially after Crystal had such a tough first three quarters to just see the game really, you know, come super easily to her and that They had spread out the Dream's defense, and it really allowed for Crystal to pick her spots. And when she's able to pick her spots, she's super effective because she's really quick off the dribble, has great touch on the floater and kind of in that mid-range pull-up game, um, but is also fearless going to the rim. And I think when you have a bunch of other teammates around you, such as Clarendon or Collier or McBride, that can get into the lane uh, and kind of collapse that defense, uh, your life's just going to be a lot easier. Um, and so that, that's something that, that's kind of one of my keys for the rest of the season watching the Lynx is, is given Lasia Clarendon's experience and, and their leadership, um, just kind of seeing how that affects Crystal Dangerfield, especially in lineups that, that we're starting to see more often now with, with Clarendon and Dangerfield sharing the ball together. And yeah. I think you'll start to see, you know, Clarendon really try and empower uh, Dangerfield on the ball. And and I just think, given the type of you know leader that the Clarendon is, um, you know, I I think that things are going to turn around for Dangerfield and and turn around rather quickly, just because. in and speaking to Clarendon, they just have such a a positive, you know, infectious, you know, happy and and smiley personality. I think that it's just hard not to, you know, gravitate towards them and, and feel like. You know, this is a leader that I want to get behind. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I can
0: definitely get that vibe. And you know, she, like I said, she's the vet. You know, and uh, you know, Dangerfield is still kind of a rookie in a lot of ways. And so, yeah, it's always good you, throughout sports. You see that, right? Like you need that vet especially when they play the same position as you and stuff like that like that's just super helpful and I'll run this by quickly I don't like to do this but this it's too perfect and um, especially having you on the show we got to do it as far as a Wolves connection here I don't like to compare WNBA players to NBA players um, some some WNBA players have pushed back against that like hey just compare me to other WNBA players don't reach across to the NBA but it's too perfect right here uh, the whole the whole Lasia and Dangerfield backcourt is so interesting like it kind of would have never seen that coming to me it mirrors so much what the Wolves did this year with D'Lo uh, as, as a shooting guard too with Ricky Rubio as as the point guard it's like okay no we, we didn't think that both these players would be on the court at the same time and even their skill sets kind of like line up right like Leja and Ricky are very very similar players right non-shooters who can kind of basically do the rest of everything right they can defend they're more of a set the table uh, type players they, they drive a little bit more and kind of known for their defense and leadership more than anything else and then on the other hand you have you have uh, you know the the whole D'Lo and uh, Dangerfield connection where it's like yeah they're both really small not not the best defenders they don't have the body type to really defend that well but they're great shooters and they're more of like they're more of scoring guard like types, right? And so right. you can play them together, and it works. So I don't know. I've just been thinking about that over the last few games since Lazio showed up. Man, this is like a really – this is really, getting strong Ricky Rubio vibes from uh, from from Leia. And then, oh my gosh, they're going to play uh, another small player next to him as a shooting guard, and it's going to work out.
1: <laughs> yeah, especially. And I think that the fact that – can you have that Rubio-Clarendon uh, facsimile where – you know, both of them are extremely good leaders too. Where like yes. all, all their teammates just gravitate towards them, which is really important. And and with Clarendon, like I'm I'm looking at lineup data right now, and in like every single three and four and five woman lineup um, that Clarendon has been a part of since since joining the Lynx, only two of them are negative. Wow. And and those are lineups that that feature, um, uh, you know, that feature uh Natalie Achanwa instead of instead of um Phil yeah. Instead of sil But I mean that's that's obviously, you know, a, a much different a much different, you know, vibe with with uh Achanwa out there. And, and it's, I think too with Achanwa, like she's been so much more effective in these last couple games. Now that I think she kind of under is kind of starting to understand the offense more. Um, and she's really able to facilitate more from kind of that nail area in between the three point line and the free throw line. And, and that jumper that she has too, from that area, makes her really dangerous. Um, you know, we've seen it that, that she, she's more than willing to to shoot that kind of extended mid range shot that it has been really good for her. Um, and, you know, as, as she starts to, to kind of play with more, more ball handlers, especially once Powers comes back, and then you'll see more of maybe, you know, Dangerfield and uh, Clarendon playing with the twos. Um, you know, I think I think the game is only going to get easier for for Natalie Achanwa. So, uh, you know, it's just incredible, especially for Clarendon though, that you have all these positive lineups that they've been a part of. Um, and it and it, again, it plays into what you were saying with kind of Ricky's that same. That same kind of positive influence um, that can just kinda kinda get everybody organized and, and that's that's what I love the most I think about the way that Clarendon plays is is just the natural ability to, to make the right play on almost every single possession.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, totally. Um, and let's talk a little bit here uh, before we move on maybe to Nafisa Collier. I mean, as someone who, you know, is, is sort of the, the next big, you know, player in Lynx franchise history. I mean, she's, she's kind of already there as an all-star, you know, borderline MVP type type of player and um, you know again her coming back from overseas she missed the first uh, three games and has now played the last four and I really think she's looking fantastic really rounding into shape I mean that I mean not not that she had to get in shape but it's the other way around like she is you know she just got finished up with a with a pro league so she's very much in shape and she's uh, she's always a very active player anyway but uh, I think she's just looked fantastic especially over the last few games and um, I think she's it's clear she's going to take it Another step forward this year with the you know different skills she's added already to her kind of do it all kind of hustle, um, you know, be in all places at once, you know, getting getting dirty rebounds, but then also finding finding players for assists and stuff like that. Um, but you know the three point shot looks great. You know she's she's hitting a great clip already. She's you know she takes four and a half a game and she's hitting thirty five percent of those. That's great. And um, you know she's always fantastic defensively as well. Switching, you can guard so many. I think different that's where she stood
1: out the most. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: yeah totally and then the last thing is her handle I think is is, is much improved and so I love all the grab and go um, type of type of opportunities that they're letting her have now grab that rebound and just go with it like the Lynx were all, for years ever since Phyllis has been in a Lynx uniform they've always worked better if they can get it in transition right um, because sometimes you know dumping it down to to sill in the paint it can be it can be a chore right they can they can sit in your lap they can they can crowd you so it's always been good for the Lynx to get that stop and run that's the key and and um, it's great to have Nafisa we can just grab that rebound and go, too. But, yeah, speak about the speak about the defense. Speak about what you've seen uh, from Nafisa this year.
1: Yeah, I, I think specifically, I think Nafisa has been the biggest reason why the defense has turned around in the way it has. Um, I, I think that with Nafisa being able to rotate the way she does on the backside, so if a, if a team is playing a three-out, two-in type of, type of offense and, and you have one of the bigs go to set a screen um, – since Nafisa has been back you've seen uh, Cheryl really feel more confident in having uh sill play what they call at the level defense where she's up higher on the ball screen instead of dropping back into the paint and so that way if the big who sets the screen rolls to the basket that when they catch the ball that Nafisa's right there and she's so so good as as a doubler you know we saw we saw her be extremely successful in in one of those storms in the in that storm game, kind of shutting down um, Brianna Stewart on uh, on the catch uh, in the post. Um, and and what's really been impressive is that um, you know now with with Clarendon in there and and with how big and physical Clarendon in Clarendon is at the point of attack, um, it, it's really made point guards have to go side to side more and drive to the baseline yeah. and that was a point where um, where the links really got beat at the in the in the start of the year they really struggled in, in overloaded floor situations where you know the majority of the players were on the side of the floor that the ball was on um, because their defensive communication would break down and players would be able to cut behind them for easy baskets um, and, and now with Nafisa and, and Leija in there um, you know, you, you've just got five really long and physical defenders, uh, that, that just prevent dribble penetration. And when you have someone like fee that you can stick at the point of attack that can prevent dribble penetration, it allows your guards and Clarendon and McBride to really be more aggressive and jumping the passing lanes for steals and getting out in transition like you were talking about. Um, which is something that I think has been, has been really big, um, for the links, especially in these last few games. Um, and, and, you know, you know, they're 10th in pace right now, you know, in the last, in the last three games, which is something I think that, that Cheryl would probably want them to pick up, um, just so they can get into their offense a little bit earlier, um, and just kind of play with a little bit more no intention on that side of the ball um and i think as as they kind of gel together that'll happen um and and i think too um you know i asked fee after i think it was the 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 first game that she played which was that storm game i don't think that i don't think that ariel played in that game um or maybe it was maybe it was the game that was that was immediately after that which would have been um
0: which would have been that
1: that sun game where they won in overtime, I asked her about kind of her ball handling. Cause I noticed that she was handling the ball a lot more like you were saying. And she said that, you know, that didn't really have anything to do with Ariel being out. And that had more to do with kind of her natural progression as a player. And so on the offensive end of the floor, um, you know, she's been really excellent at, at getting into the lane and collapsing defenses and then either using her great footwork to, to put, defenders in a position where they have to foul her i know in that in that dream game that, that i think i counted by hand she drew 17 fouls in that game or 16 oh, fouls in that game wow. which is which is <laughs> about league average for the total number of fouls that a team commits in an entire oh, game yeah um, she went to the she line
0: had, like 13 times i think in that first uh, uh dream game at two yeah. So, yeah she's getting a ton of fouls
1: yeah and so you know when you're able to do it like when you're able to to do that um while also, you know, being a player that can average five, easily average five assists um, over the course of a season with the with the link shooting the way that they are, um, I just think that's a complete game changer for your offense. And and since she's come back, they've they've had the number one offense, and they've had, um, and they've had, you know, the the number one three point shooting percentage, and and most importantly, in my opinion, they're tied for first in assists. Um, mm, you know that yeah. ball movement has really been good because when you can get that first player past the first line of defense and and you can kick it out to the corner and then just and then just start a scramble. Um, you know, with with how many dangerous offensive players the Lynx have, um, you know it's it's trouble. <laughs> it's trouble for the defense and and yeah. and and we know that Cheryl loves loves her ball movement and rightfully so because. <laughs> the more that thing gets moving, the more everybody gets involved and, and the better rhythm that they get in. And a lot of that starts and, and ends with Nafisa Collier. Yeah, absolutely. Well, before we before
0: we look ahead to the next slate of games, let's quickly talk about maybe some disappointing aspects of what we've seen this year. And obviously the 0-4 start. And, you know, it's uh, pretty easy to feel good right now for the Lynx. They've won three in a row and some really good performances and things are starting to click. All the stuff we've kind of already talked about. But you know, there's uh, there's some downsides as well. There's still maybe a little some things to maybe worry about. And I don't know, I can kind of take your pick. I don't know. For me, you know, I think all the players have kind of been kind of what we thought that they would be. Maybe save for, for Bantam, who's, you know, again, had a nice night uh, on Sunday, you know, making five shots, missing zero. But the problem with Bantam is you get one of those games per month or you get one of those games every three weeks or something like it has to be better than that. For the amount of money she's getting paid, right? So that to me is a little bit of a bummer. And then uh, I guess other than the injuries, we got the the little uh, the hamstring on on Powers, and then the the back spasms to to Mira um, I guess the other thing I would think of, and this is probably what Cheryl would say, is the rebounding. Uh, that is something that has been a struggle um, through the set, first seven games here. They I think they're seventh in rebound percentage for the for the whole season. And I just did the last three games here too, and then they go down to eighth. So this isn't yep. one of those situations. Situations where you can even look at the wins and say oh but in the wins they're third no they they are they are you know below average as far as the league table goes in, in rebound percentage and that won't fly with Shale Reeve. you'll hear about that all season long is how much rebounding matters and so I'm wondering kind of where that goes I mean I've, I mean I think they just need a few you know some of their smaller players maybe some of their guards to fly in there and get some I think is pretty good at that so maybe they'll turn it around. but you know I think that's something that they really need to clean up that's a big part of their defense as well. You know, their defense is kind of league average right now as well. So I don't know. uh, Those are kind of the things that stick out to me as far as maybe downsides or or disappointing things thus far. What do you have and sort of is there anything that kind of worries you maybe about going forward as far as the Lynx uh, ability to win games or, you know, continue to have have a winning record? But um, yeah, what do you think about disappointments for the season?
1: Yeah, rebounding was number one on my list. Um, Just because when you look at when you look at kind of the, the players that are playing for the. The links uh, in, in that front court, you have Carlton at 6'1, Collier at 6'1, Dante 6'3, 6'3, um, Fowles at 6'6, Shepard at 6'4, Achanwa at 6'3. Like those are all really, really big uh, forwards and centers that, that should be ver- very capable of rebounding the ball well. Um, and then you add in, you know, two really physical guards in McBride and Clarendon. And then Kind of that scrappy junkyard, um, you know, get in and scratch and claw guard and danger field, which I, I think <laughs> she she can be just with how aggressive she is offensively. I think she just has that mindset of, you know, you know, I want to get in there and fight, you know. I think she had five rebounds on Sunday. So that's pretty good yeah, and, for and, one and of and the smallest had, players in the league. <laughs> yeah, and she had seven against the sun uh, that <laughs> overtime win. And and I think Cheryl Reeve after that game mentioned that for the three guards or something like that that they broke a franchise record for most guard rebounds in the game <laughs> yes, or something like awesome, that. And awesome. she was kind of yeah. shouting from the from the rooftops <laughs> with so her hands in the air. Um, there you go. She'll be upset game.
0: if you don't rebound, but she'll let you know if you did, you know, she'll she'll go both ways with you.
1: Yeah, for sure. And so um yeah, I mean all the all the pieces that they have to be able to rebound are there. And and I also left off Ariel Powers, you know, who's who's five eleven, six feet, um, but who's good size for, you know, for a wing player. And, you know, and I think especially defensively is what's troubling because they have, they have such great length and physicality on that end of the floor, um, you know, where they can really stifle teams, uh, on defense. But I think part of the reason why their defense, um, you know, their defensive rating right now, just for the entire course of the season um, is six. I, I, the reason why I don't think it's closer to third or, or maybe even second is because of the second chance points that they've given up um, yeah. and their 10th in defensive rebounding percentage, hmm. um, you know, in the, in these last three games, which is, which is really, really troubling, um, especially with, with, with feedback too. Um, and, and I think, after that, after that dream game, um, you know, Cheryl mentioned, you know, she'd like to see, she'd like to see Nafisa get in there and rebound more. Um, cause she, cause she's more than capable of doing it. And then a couple other of bad things that I, I've seen so far is that I, I think the transition defense has been generally very poor, um. So far, you know the links. Uh, the links have been kind of in that eight to ten range over the course of the season in opponent points off turnovers, um, and, and they just haven't been able to capitalize as well as their opponents have been and converting turnovers into points. And do
0: we do we think that there's something in the air at Target Center because going back again, going back <laughs> to the Wolves and Links connections here, this is another thing they have in common. Uh, you know, transition defense has been tough for the Wolves for many years here, and yeah, usually Links are pretty good defensive team, but not not this year so far. So I don't know. I'm sensing a sensing a pattern here.
1: Yeah, I mean, it definitely could be. I don't know. I don't know if we need a crunch to uh, to sage the arena or christen the arena. Before, right. Yeah. Crunch before, and prowl. Crunch and yeah, prowl. Got to get together game. and figure something out. Say a seance. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but yeah. I th- so I think that's a problem. And then, um, you know, this is a bigger problem. You know, the first you know, the first four games of the season, but, but still, you know, something that I think they can improve on is, is opponent assists. Um, you know, so there are last mm-hmm. in opponent assists in that, in that first four games and have and improved, on, have improved on that over the course of the last three. But, you know, if you're, if you're not getting up and, and playing up the line on defense um, and letting easy passes in or, or backdoor cuts, um, you know, it, it's just going to be really tough, um, really tough to, to recover from that. But, you know, on the bright side, a huge, the biggest improvement that that they've made um, overall this season, I think, has been has been their opponent points in the paint. Um, so obviously, we saw them give up. I think it was like sixty points either were fifty six or fifty seven um, points in the paint against Seattle in that in that thirty point blowout that became a ten point game because of the nineteen <laughs> nothing run that they that the Lynx yeah. had to end that game. Um, you know, Shira was furious after that game. And, and since then, her team has really responded. They're, they're first in, in opponent points in the paint at, at 24 points per game. So, um, you know, so it, it kind of doesn't really make sense with how strong their interior defense has been and then not being able to rebound. So I think that's been the most frustrating slash puzzling, um, you know, thing for me thus far. Um, but but I, 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 I do feel pretty confident that, that the Lynx can, can turn that around.
0: Yeah, I still think that on paper, just like their personnel, they should be a top three defense, if not the best defense in the league. Like – I think Sill's been fantastic and you know the way that McBride um, you know can can do so much damage on the, the defensively on, on the on the perimeter switching and stuff like that. And then you know, you sung all the praises of Nafisa Collier. I just think there's there's really no I mean, only Banham and uh, and Dangerfield I would say are like minuses on defense. Everybody else yep. is at least average. So it just seems like why is the hole like so much less than the sum of its parts at this point? And to your point, it might just be as easy as jumping on some rebounds and you know, hey, rebounds happen. Happen when you force a team to miss. So maybe they just – it could be some shooting luck. I mean, that's something that, you know, again, we're very early still. I mean, we're in the first quarter. But, you know, it's it's still kind of early Or maybe some of that shooting luck can come around and, you know, you grab some more boards that are just available. Maybe there just haven't been that many available boards out there or something like that because it just seems like the personnel and the, and the way the, the sort of pedigree of a lot of these players – Yeah, they got to be a better defensive team than this. So I would expect that to turn around, but have to note it uh, when it hasn't been that way here for the first seven games. So we shall see. Um, All right, running out of time, but we got to look ahead. We have to look forward to uh, what is coming next. You know, right now, like we said, Lynx seems like they've uh, kind of found their footing. They've uh, one ripped off three in a row here. Things are looking good. Hopefully, uh, you know, we'll be getting, they'll be at, back to full strength. Right now, they only have nine players available with, uh, you know, uh, excuse me, Dantis and uh, who else is out um, and, and uh, Powers. So yep. once they get them back, maybe even better things ahead. But um, kind of a mixed bag schedule. Next seven games at Washington, home for Los Angeles in Chico- and Chicago. Uh, Road. Trip for Dallas, Dallas, Atlanta, and then Las Vegas at home. So you know, I think it's a kind of actually a sneakily soft kind of schedule um, in a lot of ways. Here um, they've had kind of a tough schedule uh, so far as it goes. But uh, you know, just just looking at the just looking at the standings, which isn't totally representative this early in the season. But you know, Washington has a losing record. LA has kind of been surprising. On the on the other hand, they have the best defense in the league. Um, Chicago's been disappointing. Uh, Candace Parker's only played one game so maybe she'll still be out for this one uh two against dallas those are definitely that's definitely a beatable team right there although they've surprised a little bit as well and then and
1: satu Sabli's coming back for them too because okay. she's been playing yep. in the a three-on-three international competition right. representing yeah. her, her
0: her native germany that's um, right love satu so. um and then atlanta obviously just beat them twice and then vegas maybe maybe the best team in the league so You know, a little bit of a mixed bag right there, but certainly I think the Lynx, especially the way they're playing, can kind of make up some ground here um, on that 0-4 start and uh, at least win a majority of these games. Maybe win five of them, I don't know, something like that. But I don't know, beyond maybe the schedule and the teams they're facing, what are you looking um, for here as far as how the team's going to play and and some of these other things uh, that we've maybe projected? What do you see as kind of being important to look for uh, here in the next few weeks of Lynx basketball?
1: Um, so I, I think I, I want to look at two things. And so the first thing that I want to look at is, is can the, can the Lynx continue to, uh, create as good of looks from the three point line as they've been able to create over the course yes. of the last few games. I think yes. that, you know, we've seen in kind of semi transition, um, especially with fee, uh, kind of running the, running the the ball up the floor. You see defenses kind of overcommit to her. And I think you've started to see Kayla McBride um, you know, kind of trail her for these little turnaround dump off passes that are wide open. So you see that. And then just with how good their dribble penetration has been too, uh, Clarendon, you know, they've been throwing really good passes across the court to mm-hmm. to McBride and Collier and Dangerfield. Um hopefully Dontis, uh in the next couple games, if if she can she can recover. Um I think that that's the number one key because if they can continue to shoot the ball as at a 40 or 41 percent clip or really even above kind of that 37, 38 percent mark, I think they're going to continue to be one of the the three, four best teams in the W um, w with with that defensive progression like we've seen. Um, And then we've been harping on it. We've been harping on it. But but rebounding, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, I think if if they can really start to rebound the ball better, I think that, you know, even even you know, that that defensive rebound percentage, um, you know, jumping up from, from what is it now? 67%. Um, you know, over the course of the last few up, up into that, that low to to mid seventies range. Um, again, I think you're going to see them just become that much more effective on defense, even if that results in, in three or four or five fewer second chance points. Um, I mean that, that makes a big difference in the overall outcome of the game. Um, and and that's a huge, huge piece. Like we've seen them really kind of strengthen that defensive communication, um, which is a huge issue at the start of the year. Um, turning that into, you know, just really aggressive pack line, playing up the line, jumping passing lanes, defense. We've seen that really rapid improvement. And now can we see them really kind of translate that that toughness and, and aggression that they have on that end of the floor to, 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 to crash in the glass? Um, and if they're able to, you know, sustain that three-point shooting, improve on that defensive rebounding, um, you know, I, I don't see any reason why they can't, they can't be a team that, that the ace that the aces are kind of saying you know oh crap you know we gotta we gotta go through the links if we want to get to where we want to go this year um, yeah yeah so. and if,
0: like you said the defense that's where it all starts I mean that that is sort of the first domino that I think will make everything easier for them if they can just get a few more rebounds. It just helps. It will just give them everything they need as far as getting that fast break going, and then you know that's when they're best at offense is running the floor. And that's what I loved about Asia too is she's again another Ricky comparison though. Like they get it and they push it. Their first thought is heads up. Uh, look up the floor, see if anyone's open for a hit to head pass, or at least I'm just going to sprint, dribble up the floor, even if it's not like going to be for a bucket. Like I'm moving this thing across the half court as soon as I can, and so I, I think Lasia will um, be able to help all, a lot with that, um, especially if they can get some of those stops and stuff like that. But yeah, the defense is where it all starts. That will trickle down to the offense being a little bit better, getting some more easy looks. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to. You know, they have some again on paper. They have so many good three-point shooters that it seems like they get a lot of their threes. You know, when Still gets double or you know maybe out of uh, you know some sort of action where someone's helping to the defense is helping too much and like you said you find Kayla kind of trailing and, and man she she can just get it off in, in a quick quick moment right she hard she just gets and she's at her feet are always set but she can just fire that thing so yeah that that
1: first quarter of that dream game uh yep. yesterday was three a three. clinic oh my goodness
0: yeah, so I think they can get you know, but I'd like to see him run some plays to get some players some threes, right? I feel like that's not really again. Cheryl really hasn't had teams that have been like huge three point team shooting teams, right? It's been the fouls era. It's been post play and stuff like that, or mid range play with Simone and that kind of stuff. So you know, now they they finally do have a you know a really great roster of three point shooters. You know, from Dantas Don, is, is, is people sleep on Dantas. People don't forget. Last year she was a fantastic shooter. She really has yep. been a, shoot, a good shooter for a number of years. And I'm not saying you run plays for Don. To get a three, but especially I think for Dangerfield, she is a marksman as well. She is fantastic from three, and she doesn't, She only, I feel like she only gets three point attempts, like, like bailout plays and stuff like that. So I, I don't know. I'd like to see a few more actions run. Uh, maybe you know a little better as sort of more from the coaching side of maybe what could be done there. They did run some elevator doors type play uh, actions from time to time, but um, I don't know. I'd like to, and, and, and I love, yeah, obviously the big one is McBride, but Collier is improved from, as a shooting, um, from a shooting perspective as well. Uh, There's just so many good shooters on this team that it would be nice to sort of see a little bit more. I think they just revert too much to inside out all the time, which, hey, you got fouls. That sort of does make a lot of sense, but maybe just a little sprinkling in of some more uh, you know, sets to actually free open, uh, free up a three-point shooter. Like, this play is to get Collier a three. This play is to get Dangerfield a corner three or something like that off ball. I'd like to see a little bit more of that as well, and I think like you said, that can really boost the offense when it can be a slog sometimes. Three-point Goes a long way.
1: Yeah. And especially with when you look at the fact that, you know, the Lynx are, they're 10th in pace over the course of the season. I I think that really trying to up that pace and get into action. You know, sooner than the shot clock um, it is a really important thing. I think if you can get the ball across with 21, 20 seconds on the shot clock, almost every possession. Um, even if, even if you're looking at a post up into sill, getting getting that going sooner so that you can, you know, run maybe a backside pin down where you know a player comes from the three point line to set a screen down down in that corner um, for for sill to make a cross court pass or, or a quick kick out and in a you know, in a skip pass or something like that. Um, and then the other thing that I I wanted to mention when you you were saying trying to get shooters like Dantas and Dangerfield involved, um, you know, a lot of times Dantas is the one that's taking the ball out underneath the, underneath the hoop, um, off of made baskets. And if, and if she inbounds that thing to, um, to, to Nafisa or to, you know, Lasia with the way that they push the ball, um, you know, Dantas could be in a prime position to kind of shoot those trailer threes that that I was mentioning with McBride. Um, as That's also a way to kind of up the pace. And then two, if you make one or two of those in, in the first quarter, or the second quarter, what have you, um, you know, then players like Clarendon and and Collier and Dangerfield can kind of hit, hit that first line of defense with hesitation moves and, and, and kind of softens up the defense a little bit. So I think kind of kind of playing a little bit more in transition or that semi-transition um well i think just help get the links kind of like you were saying and into more plays that they can run for shooters rather than um rather than playing that inside out style um and and yeah I, i think that they can just play so multiple on offense because players like powers and and collier um you know can can play and be positioned anywhere on the floor so um so those are kind of things that i think they can do but but again like uh, they can just be so versatile on, on both ends which kind of makes makes it fun to, to follow from a basketball perspective because they just do so many different things on, on both ends
0: yeah yeah all that and how many times we've said during you know the last hour here of just like oh on paper it looked like this like I, that just gives me faith. Like just how much faith I have in Cheryl, like the pieces are here. It's just a matter of kind of finding the right way that they all go together and kind of ironing that stuff out. So, you know, I think overall links fans should be optimistic about, you know, the, the rest of this season and who knows where it's going to end or sort of how many wins they'll actually have, especially after being an zero and four hole, but this team's going to be okay. They're, they're, they're too talented on both ends of the ball. And, uh, if you trust the coach, which I don't know why you wouldn't, uh, given her track record, uh, i think the, everything is going to come together just a matter of when and if they can stay healthy and stuff like that so obviously you need a little bit of luck and all that uh, in this as well but we'll be watching uh the next seven games here and uh you know trying to trying to figure out what comes next for the links but uh Jack, uh, congratulations on your first appearance on the Los Links talk show. It, uh, it happened. Uh, we had a good time. Time flew right by. We could be going on for another hour, but uh, that's too long for most people's attention span. So we got to cut it off at some point, and that point is here. But, Jack, please let folks know where uh, they can follow you and sort of what you're uh, maybe working on for, for Canis this year. And, yeah, we'll, we'll tell people where to go.
1: Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at J R B O R M A N thirteen. That's JR Borman thirteen. Um, and so I'll be I'll be tweeting out different observations that I have during the games, um, for, for just about every every Lynx game um, that we have. And then uh, another thing that I'm gonna be trying to do now that now that some of the, the NBA or excuse me the W N B A um, you know, stat sites are starting to pop back up again with with yeah. different numbers. Is put out different you know charts and graphs of uh, different Ooh, trends that I see right. with the links, which will be fun. Kind of kind of follows in with with my with my profession, um, and then um, and then yeah, I'm just going to be hopefully writing. And I'm going to shoot for like an article a week um, or an article every, you know, three or four games on the links um, as it relates to, to observations that I've seen over the course of, of those games and and how I see different players impacting the team. So, you know, my, my first plan um, for an article that I'm hoping will run um, later on this week, uh, potentially early next week, will be about Lasia Clarendon uh, and Kayla McBride and, and just how that, that veteran backcourt has has impacted uh, has impacted the Lynx and kind of fueled this resurgence that they've had into back into being kind of where we expected them to be this season. Right. And that of course and that of course will be um be at our home. Canasupas com.
0: Oh my gosh, I'm excited to read that. That's cool, and I'm excited to see the data visualizations you're you're doing. I don't think anybody's doing that on the link side of things right now, as far as social media and coverage goes. So I like that. That's uh, that's another thing that needs to grow on the coverage side. It's like we need better coverage overall, but then there's also these like little like dark areas where there's not as much uh, data or sort of like info out there. We're slowly getting there, but stuff like yeah, that goes a long and, and way. So
1: I think I think a lot of that has to do too with just like. Not a whole lot of people are putting the time into creating these um, right you databases, know, stat sites. Yeah, that you, a lot that, that you have really for the NBA, and I think if you want to grow the WNBA and coverage of the WNBA, yep, um, making stats more readily available for for people that want to cover the game, I think would be would be a great place to start. But. You know, you got to work with what you have, and and I'm excited to to work with what I have to to try and put the the best possible you know content out there that I can do. So
0: amazing, amazing, we love it. So it's Jay Borman 13 on Twitter. Jack, what does the 13 stand for? Is it personal information that you can't reveal, or is it just your lucky number?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just my my initials and my last name, and I think it was just you know it's a lucky number I've had since <laughs> I was a kid. You know, I, the first soccer it jersey is. and baseball jersey I ever wore were was 13, and all right, um, I've just carried that with me my my whole way through so I've, I, I think I, I joined Twitter like 10 years ago 11 years ago and it's, it's <laughs> yeah. stuck so it's still
0: there lucky number 13 for Jack well Jack thanks so much for joining us on the show we'll be sure to be following you all summer long at Canis Hoopas and then beyond too I mean hey a lot of people listen and are Wolves fans too so uh, make sure uh, you stick around and uh, follow his coverage of the Wolves as well but uh, yeah I'm sure uh, we'll be tweeting back and forth and we'll be seeing you on Twitter and looking forward to everything you're posting up at Canis Hoopas this summer for the Minnesota Lynx. That does it for the Los Lynx Talk Show. Thank you very much everybody for listening. If you know somebody who uh, enjoys the Lynx but maybe doesn't listen to this show, let them know. Let them know or recommend the podcast. That's the best way to spread the word about this show and help us grow it, help us grow the team, help us grow the league. That's what we're trying to do. So it would be nice if you could uh, give a recommendation to someone you know in your life. Appreciate that. And uh, Jack, thanks for joining us on the show and we'll talk to you next time.